0: Hello, and welcome to the From Montana to Portugal podcast. Today, my guest is Carol Wilcox. She is the author of Our Portugal Journey, a newsletter on Substack, and one of my favorite writers there. She has delighted me, made me laugh, um, made me think, and I hope that'll be the case today for all of you who are listening. Carol is a an American living in Portugal with her husband, Paul, and she's a freelance writer and marketer. And Paul is a digital artist and the awesome love of her life, which I love. Uh, <laughs> um, I also live with an awesome love of my life. So, <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a blessing and um, that's a great thing to put on your bio. So Carol, welcome. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, thank you, Janelle. Thank you so much for inviting me today. Appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. I really wanted people to discover your writing if they hadn't yet and to discover you and to hear your story. So, let's start with that. Everyone wants to know a a lot of people at least ask me the why of why Portugal, and I know we'll get to that, but let's talk about the how first. How did you um decide to and get to Portugal? How did that all happen? And can you take us back?
1: I can take you back. Yes, definitely. Well, you know, for many years, Paul and I had talked about moving to Europe or some other country in our retirement years, and uh, you know, we would talk about it, and then we put it on the back burner and talk about it, put it on the back burner. We've always been kind of risk takers, and uh, in 2003, we left the um, New England area where our families were, and we moved to Arizona, and we moved without jobs. And we made a nice life for us there for almost 20 years. So we were accustomed to doing kind of things that maybe other people might not think about doing. So we started to think about moving overseas. Perhaps we looked, we started with Mexico and that just didn't seem to be the right fit for us. And then we looked at Costa Rica, Panama, um, Belize. Because thinking, well, it's kind of close, so we could always get back to where we needed to go. And then, you know, over the course of a few years, we started to really get serious about maybe making, really, are we really going to do this? So we started looking at Europe. And my husband had been, um, had lived in Europe during the uh, U.S. Navy days. Um, So he was stationed in Italy and he, you know, had the opportunity to travel everywhere throughout Europe. And I never had that opportunity. Either we were too busy running a business or we didn't have the money or the time, whatever. So Paulo, we said, you know, someday I'd like to show you all the places I visited. So we said, well, let's start looking at Europe then. And of course Portugal was always in the back of my, my mind because of my heritage and because my ancestors um, were born in Portugal, but also we looked at Italy, we looked at Spain, um, and we decided on Portugal for many reasons, not just because of my heritage, but also because it was a pretty easy way, all things considered, um, to get to Portugal on a visa. Uh, The requirements weren't as stringent as other countries. Um, It was a safe country. Um, It was uh, small enough to get around, a lot of history, decent climate. And so that's when we started to really focus on Portugal. Now, because we focused on Portugal didn't mean it was easy to get here, we had hoped we would be in Portugal in the year 2020. Well, we all know that that didn't happen because COVID happened. And we, we still were putting it off a little bit. We weren't really, weren't really 100%. Um, in 2019, in December, my husband's brother passed away. Um, and he died suddenly um, skiing down a mountain in New Hampshire, had a massive heart attack. He did pass away and he was... Um, he was he was skiing down a mountain in New Hampshire and had a massive heart attack and immediately died. And I think at that point we were looking at each other saying, "What are we waiting for?" Uh, so we we put our house on the market in early 2020 and it sold fairly quickly. And then we thought, okay, let's let's make plans to move to Portugal. And then you know, COVID was rampant and it wasn't going away like we were hoping it would go away. (laughs) And and so we thought, well, we really don't want to be in a country we don't know anything about during a lockdown. So we rented um, a house and really started buckling down on how we're going to get to Portugal. Not always easy to do during a pandemic because you can't go on a scouting trip. Um, And, you know, a lot of services weren't available, but we made it work. Um, I'm I'm good at research, and I'm good at connecting with people, and we were finally able to start the process for d D7 visa, which is a passive income visa, Um, and I guess it was January of 2021, so about a year after we really wanted to be in Portugal. And it took us uh, quite a few months to get our paperwork together, our bank account, our Uh, fiscal numbers um, and finding a place to live remotely so lots of videos at three o'clock in the morning because there was a big time difference I think eight hours and you know going through apartments and trying to figure out whether this will work for us short term what what will happen well we got all that done and we had our um, appointments with VFS in San Francisco and that's the clearinghouse for Um, people in Arizona to go to uh, to present their paperwork for a visa and about six weeks later we were accepted and now it was time to really go and get get going so we, um, we just about finished with our lease we had gone month to month for a little while I retired at the end of July of 2021 and by the end of August 2021 we were in Portugal so it was kind of a whirlwind, but um, it's been an exciting experience. But that's how we got here. Um, and now it's going on almost two years that we've lived in Portugal. And um, we're still enjoying it. We're still exploring. And we're still finding a lot of the uniqueness of Portugal and living in Europe. But it's, it's worked out so far. So far, it's worked out well. So you're glad you did it? Yes, Yes, we are glad we did it. Um, you know, some members of our family, you know, have a difficult time thinking that we're going to live here. And I always leave it open by saying, well, you know, I don't know. I can't predict the future, but I can honestly say that right now, it's it's what we want to do and what we need to do. It fits our lifestyle, and you know, I don't know what changes down the road will will. Take care of that when the time comes if the time comes.
0: Yeah, if the time comes is right. And I was just I was telling you before we started, listeners, I was telling her about our house taking a while longer to sell than we would like it to and you know, and she said Carol said, "Well, the timing will be right. Like it'll happen when it's supposed to happen." And uh, sometimes I think listening to people's stories about Portugal and then coming there that it's like
1: Portugal teach you teaches you patience in advance. Well, it does, it does. Oh yes, yeah. It's it's an acquired learning skill for me, and yeah. um, and I have I have gotten a, a significant dose of patience learning since we started this whole process, and I still continue to have that. So it's just something you have to um, you just have to say this is what it is and go with it, and if you do that, I think you're you're much better than trying to fight it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's days when I try to fight it and it's not, it's, it's not fun. Um, yeah, I'm curious. Uh, I didn't put this in my list of questions to you, but I was curious about your, your two years. So do you have another staff appointment? Do you have another immigration appointment coming up to renew your visa or? Uh,
1: yeah, actually our visas renew. Um, I believe it's October because when you get here, you're here on a temporary visa. Um, for like 90 days and then you have your your first sef appointment and that's good for two years and i believe we can uh, we can renew it online closer to the time that it's due so maybe 30 days before it's actually due we can go online enroll and present to them whatever documentation they require so yeah i don't think it'll be as um stressful as it was the first time. <laughs> well,
0: we're going to be going through San Francisco as well because that's okay. like Montana's place too. Yes, it is. Yes. So well, I'll, I'll reach out to my you.
1: Take my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I'll reach out to you before we go.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's talk about, I want to circle back to your Portuguese ancestry. Do
1: you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So um, my Grandparents on both sides, my maternal side and my paternal side, were all born in Portugal, um, in different places. So uh, my mom's parents were born in, on the mainland, Okay, so not quite Lisbon, but from what I can tell, kind of northeast near the Spanish border, near Guarda. And my father's parents were born in um, the Azores, in San Miguel. So uh, they came as young people to America, and that's where my parents were born in America. And, of course, you know, uh, we, I was born in America. My siblings were born here in America. Um, and we um, we really didn't know much about our heritage uh, other than some of the snippets of information that my grandparents would share or my, my parents would share. Um They spoke Portuguese because their parents spoke Portuguese, but we never were taught Portuguese because we were Americans. So I I regret that, but I understand the mindset at the time, but I I regret that we weren't taught more than just little slang sentences and nothing more. That would have helped me out an awful lot if I had Portuguese right now. But that's okay. That's okay. We can get through that. Um, So... Part of coming back here actually is to see if I can actually find where my ancestors lived. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit easier on the island of San Miguel because it's an island. And I think that I know pretty much where to look. It's a little bit harder to find that information on my mother's side because, you know, you'll hear that some that, that they... An aunt was born in Lisbon or you know my grandmother was born in Lisbon or my great-grandmother was born in Spain I, I have a feeling they all were born in the same area and so I've been trying periodically to go through um, some ancestry records to see if I can find something a little more definitive than what I have and then once I can get as much information as possible on that then we'll take trips there and see what we can find. I would really like to have a birth certificate from my grandparents. That would help me a little bit more perhaps to get a second passport. Um, but if not, that's why we went through the D7 process because you can do the same thing. It just might take a little bit longer. So, um, so that's one of the reasons why I, I had never been to Portugal. Um, my father was 80 years old when he went to his father's birthplace in San Miguel for the first time. And um, he said he he never really found where my grandfather lived, but he felt connected in the village there. So I want to kind of experience a little bit of that myself, um, and maybe share that with my siblings who are are interested, and my my cousins as well who are interested in in this. And this is a perfect opportunity to actually go and look and see for myself, and take my time doing that. If I have to go back a few times. I have that ability to do that here,
0: uh yeah, that's amazing to be able to come back and reconnect with um, your roots and yeah. and also to make it a research project and fun yeah. so you can go explore yeah. different places I mean yeah, and yeah.
1: yeah, and I think I probably have relatives in these areas. I just. I just don't know. You know, when my grandparents left Portugal, they were in touch with their families. But, you know, we're talking about the early 1900s. There was no Internet. There was no, you know, it was letters. And, you know, they were trying to establish their lives in a new country as immigrants. And I also think that that's an interesting interesting thing for me is, you know, I, I'm an immigrant. I'm going back to the country of my, my ancestry as an immigrant, And so I I appreciate a little bit more the frustrations and the challenges that my grandparents went through to come to the United States for what they felt was a better opportunity. I sense that now even more so and have such an appreciation for their courage uh, because it does take a lot of courage to uproot yourself and move to another country where you really don't know too many people and you don't speak the language and you don't know how things are going to go, no matter how much you research and how many resources are now available to you. Uh, it doesn't always, I, I have such an appreciation for their courage to come to the United States and do what they did.
0: Yeah, I, I do too. I I find it fascinating. And just even researching moving to Portugal, I've been thinking about that too, because my ancestors came from Europe as well. And my dad was just telling me the other day that my grandfather went to like, he came to the United States and he went back to Denmark, mar- got his bride married, and brought her over here. And I just thought about, I'm like, wow, what a journey! And that's all on ship and train. It,
1: yeah, there's no flights. Yes. I mean. <laughs> no, no, no. It it took it took weeks or maybe months. I don't even know. I mean, it's, I, I I've seen my grandmother's names and my grandfather's names on the manifests um coming into Ellis Island and I I just think of that type of a journey and how how exhausting it must have been to to be on a boat for I don't know how long to get to some place that you don't even know if you'll you you can make it there I mean it it's that's quite a lot of courage a lot of courage a lot of
0: courage they in sight unseen almost I mean I'm yes. assuming you know they didn't really have photographs and no, just a verbal no. description of what this place would yeah. be
1: like. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So that, that's part of my journey, coming back and seeing what I can find about my past. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to read more about that. It's well, that's very exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> um,
0: how did you decide, this is a common question, and I think probably creates a lot of angst amongst people who are of thinking about moving to Portugal, how did you decide exactly where you wanted to live in Portugal? Did you, were you open to anywhere in the country and, or were you really specific about where you wanted to, to reside? Yeah, that,
1: well, that's a good question. Um, I think when we originally um, started talking about where we wanted to live, we immediately said, well, we'll live in the Algarve because it's, it's warm and it's got beaches and a lot of people speak English there and then we realized well in the Algarve you you do need to have a car you can get by with public transportation but if you really want to go someplace you're going to need a car and we weren't sure we really wanted to purchase a car as a matter of fact we had said we were not going to purchase a car of course we have one now but that's another story but um then we started looking in the northern part of the country, and we didn't want to be anywhere too cold because we had been desert dwellers in Arizona for so long that we were afraid we would freeze. Yeah. And and so we started to just kind of look around, and, and it got to the point, to be quite honest with you, where the more I looked, the more confused I became. Yeah. It was just too many options, and listening to too many people, and looking at too many YouTube videos, and too many, you know, people's opinions on Facebook groups. I just started to get completely overwhelmed. So then we started to say, okay, what's really important to us? Well, we really wanted to live near the ocean again, because we had been in the desert for 20 years, and we had grown up in the ocean. We wanted to go back to that. So we knew we wanted to be on the coast of some part of Portugal. we wanted to be where there was enough of the services that we had either already connected with or planned to connect with within the first year or two. We wanted to be close enough to get to those places using public transportation if necessary. Um, we weren't sure we wanted to live in the heart of the city of Lisbon, but we wanted to live where we could get to Lisbon fairly quickly. So it came down to, you know, between Lisbon and Cascais, which is kind of the center of central part coastal part of of the country and of course we we wanted to do what everyone wants to do we wanted to live in keshkais and we wanted to live right in the middle of the the town and we wanted to be able to walk to everything and you know have our have our our pastry and coffee in the morning and then walk back and it was just this romantic image of what we wanted to do until we realized that um rents in keshkais are exorbitantly high And we did not want to make that investment, uh, not knowing really where we wanted to end up. So we started looking um, in areas that are in the Qashqais municipality, but not necessarily right in the heart of the town. And we ultimately settled on um, a suburb type of area. Um, It's called Parid, and it is in the Qashqais municipality, and it is maybe... 20 minutes by train to Lisbon and eight minutes by train to the center of Qashqais. So really kind of a perfect little spot for us um, with, you know, decent prices for rent compared to, you know, the city or Kishkais. Um And so we just decided, well, let's just land here. And if we don't like it, we'll move on. You know, at least we'll, we'll give it a year. We'll see what it's like. And to be honest with you, the longer we stay here, the better we like it. Oh, good. And, yeah, and I and I if you had asked me that question this question a year and a half ago, I would have had a totally different answer. But we have found our way. You know, we've we've met people, we've figured out how to get from one place to another you know we've got the bar Paul has his barber down the street we have the little mini mercado we have the the pharmacy if we need it we have little beachside restaurants down right on the water that we can walk to in less than 10 minutes or drive in two minutes we can get down there so it's kind of it's kind of a nice vibe on its own so um we're, we're we're happy we're surprised that we were this fortunate right off the bat but i um, really very grateful that we found this place and this area, and I think this is where we want to stick around for a while.
0: Oh, great. You know, it sounds like you almost, you got that romantic dream you were looking for.
1: Yeah, in a, in a roundabout way. Yes, yes, in a roundabout way. I mean, I think that people sometimes have these, you know, this this checklist of must-haves. I think you have to be a little bit flexible, um, and we, we decided to be flexible, but um it's, it's worked out well for us. Yeah. And now you finally taught me how to pronounce Kashkais. Kashkais? Kashkais. Kashkais. Yes. <laughs> It took me about a year to, yeah. I, I, you know, I listen to the um, the 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 speaker on the train. They tell you every stop, and they they tell you the names. And it's important, you know, Portuguese, and so is "kashkais." I said, "Okay, kashkais." <laughs> so we keep saying that until we we got it right. So yeah, that's kind of what it is, I think.
0: I wish you all could see Carol's face as she says <laughs> it. It's so
1: good. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyone who's from Portugal listening to your podcast, I'm sorry if I messed that up. I, but I, I, it's better than other people's versions that I've heard. Well, Doug and I joke that you just add an sh to everything in. We Portuguese. do pretty much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then,
0: then you'll then you'll sound Portuguese. We're we're learning, <laughs> and it's. <Yeah. laughs> um, so what what have been some of the best parts of your move thus far? What are some of the highlights?
1: Oh, the highlights. Okay. Well, uh, we get to wake up every day and see the ocean. And that to me is, uh, just pinch me. This is just really awesome. You know, after living for nearly 20 years in Arizona, uh, this is a very welcome change for us. And we very often, almost every day, watch the cruise ships come in and out of the port of Lisbon from our window. And that just, we, we, we haven't gotten tired of that. You know, I can be in another part of the of the apartment and Paul say, cruise ship coming in. And, you know, we just go and look at the cruise ship. I know it sounds corny, but it, it's, it's it's a nice feeling to be able to see that and to smell the ocean air and to hear the seagulls it's, and, and the waves and sometimes the storms. It's, it's kind of refreshing. So we've enjoyed that. Um, we've met so many interesting people from diverse backgrounds And we feel that this experience alone has enriched our lives tremendously. And uh, many of the folks have become our friends, um, which is a bonus for us and uh, a joy to have, you know, these people be our friends in, you know, in in a foreign country like this. And we're meeting Portuguese people as well. So it's not just expats, because I know that's what people ask. Um, And it's everyone is just... Been an, a joy to, to to get to know. So it's that's been a great experience. Um, for a small country, Portugal has a lot of places to explore, and I never realized that it would be so diverse. Um, you can be in a city, you can be in a village, you can be down a narrow street and hope your car makes it through, you can be in a big highway, you can be up in the mountains, you can be by the ocean, you can be inland in wine country. It's just a very diverse, small little country. And, you know, we, we've only scratched the surface of exploring it. Yeah, you've only scratched the surface. Yeah, yeah. And and then also the history. And I love being surrounded by the history. Um, sometimes if I were walking down like a little narrow street in Lisbon, or if I'm walking on some stone steps um, in a church, I sometimes just get this feeling that, you know, did my ancestors walk on these same pieces of pavement? Did they... Um, were they here? I sometimes get that feeling, and it's just a, a really peaceful feeling of knowing that you know this history has been here for many generations. My ancestors lived here, I know many other people have come, in, come through here. It's just uh, if you stop and really think about it, you have a lot to appreciate. And, um, and so, that's been a really, really fun part of living in Portugal. You know,
0: it sounds like the, the views. And the history and the people have all combined to be a really great experience for you in terms of the
1: highlights. It has, it has. It, it, it's really been, it's really been, a. it's sometimes hard to describe. You know, I, I do try to describe it because I'm asked this question a lot, but, you know, everybody comes to Portugal for their own reasons. Um, but you, you only hope that you can make friends and you can only hope that you'll meet people and you can only hope that, you know, you, you did the places you explore resonate with you. And so I we, we both Paul and I both feel fortunate that this has happened for us. And we're very grateful for that.
0: Yeah, it gave me goosebumps as you were talking about your ancestors might have walked on those same cobblestones, or I think it's tiles, right, that also are
1: tiles. Yeah, Tile, well, there were some cobblestones too, but mostly tiles and um stone stone stairs that are all worn from centuries of people walking by them and i it, it sometimes gives me the chills just thinking about it. Yeah, it gave me the chills. It really does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and i i i actually don't
0: like to ask about the negative side, but i think it's good if people have yeah, a sense yeah. of like what's been the most challenging? What's been the worst if if you had to describe the the times that have been the hardest for you?
1: Well, I guess maybe, uh, you know, it hasn't been that bad. And I, I, I know that some people will say, well, you know, I've heard it's horrible. I heard, you know, the you, you, know, you, you wait in, you know, in line for something to have a service taken care of or whatever. It hasn't been that difficult for us. I'm not sure why um, we did have people help us to do these things. Maybe that's why I didn't feel that we needed to frustrate ourselves any more than necessary um but you know a, we have a few small things and they're really petty things if you think about it um but small annoyances like you know we've having to learn to navigate through the uneven tile sidewalks um Paul and I hold hands a lot and people go, that's just so romantic. Look at that old couple, you know, they're holding hands and it's like, no, it's because we don't want to fall and we're helping each other not to fall. Really. That's what the, I mean, it's nice to hold hands, but let's face it. It's because we don't want to fall. So that's been kind of an interesting experience. And also I've learned, I'm a shoe person, so I've always had lots of really stylish shoes and now I have lots of really stylish sneakers. (laughs) (laughs) I have a variety, but I have, and they're fully acceptable here. So that's, that's been a mindset for me that I've had to kind of, you know, adjust to. And I, there's no choice. You have to wear sensible shoes or you will kill yourself walking or break a bone. Um, I've had to get used to a lot of graffiti and it's everywhere. And I don't care where you live. It's everywhere. Um, That's been kind of a challenge. I knew it was here in Europe, more so than in the United States, but um, it's been a lot of graffiti. Some of it's very attractive, but a lot of it is not, and so I haven't, I haven't adjusted completely to that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm not, um, I'm not particularly fond of dogs being left out at night, yeah. um, all night by their owners. Um, I know that this is a culture thing, and I know that it is slowly changing in some areas, But um, it still bothers me because I am a dog person, and so it it troubles me. So it bothers me when it's cold out or it's raining and I hear a dog barking. Um, So that troubles me a little bit, but I I respect the culture, and I have to understand that this is how things are done here, and I am, a guest in this country. So something I have to accept and get used to. Um, We have been trying to adjust how we eat our meals. This is a, a new thing. So, for example, breakfast is not a big deal here in Portugal. You have a pastry and a coffee, maybe. It's not that you can go to the IHOP and get these big pancake and bacon, eggs kind of thing. It, it just it rarely exists here. I mean, you can get it, but it's not the same. Um, and then lunch is a is big. Lots of times, it is a a meal like what I would consider dinner. And then dinner is big too but it's later at night so it could be eight or nine o'clock at night that's when the restaurants start to fill up and that's been a a bit of a challenge for um, our diets but we're learning to eat later and kind of do what the Portuguese do so it's I'm not there yet I can't say that we're there 100% or that we ever will be but we are making the effort to to embrace that type of lifestyle Um, but really, there's really not a lot of bad things that have happened to us that I can say, oh, you know, beware of this or beware of that. I think if you do your research, um, whether you read blogs or you, you know, you hire someone to help you or you just, you know, do YouTube videos, whatever you need, whatever books you have, whatever you need. If you do your research, um, and connect with the right people to help you navigate your journey, um, you know, your your chances of having some very negative experience are going to be minimized. Um, And I think that's what we've tried to do. Um, You know, there have been days where there's been challenges. Um, One of my upcoming posts is about the most frustrating part of Portuguese bureaucracy that we have experienced with our driver's licenses. But that's, you know, that's, I explained how that happened and, and why I was frustrated. So we have those bumps in the road, but you have those bumps in the road wherever you live.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. And I think still think you can have cultural differences within the US. Um I'm also a dog person and here where I live there's a lot of people who are who like to have dogs and they are older and they don't walk. So they have trained their dogs to run behind their vehicle because we have a place, we live in a real rural area. So, you know, they'll honk their horn and the dog will jump in the back, you know, and so far in the six years that I've moved back here, no one's dog has gotten hurt or this, I haven't seen any accidents, but it, it just used to really bother me when I would see it. And then I would just have to say, okay, this isn't, you
1: know, I moved
0: back here, like this is their thing. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yeah yeah, yeah. Judgy about it, you know,
1: yeah you have to kind of roll with it. You really do. Yeah. you really have to, but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny.
0: Um, so you recently wrote wrote an article about what why some people decide to leave Portugal, some Americans or other immigrants, mm-hmm. um, and whether that actually counts as failure. I thought that was such a great essay topic, and uh, I'm curious about. Um, what you might have to say to our listeners about quote unquote failure and,
1: and leaving Portugal and um, what some people's reasons are around that. Sure. Um, And and that was basically, I had been reading a post in in one of the Facebook groups and someone had said they were, um, they were leaving Portugal for specific reasons of their own, you know, and they didn't need to go into the details, but it was, you know, retirement plans had changed, whatever that was. And and she was basically asking for help with getting rid of some of her things that she didn't want to take back with her to the United States. And so many people were like, well, why are you leaving? We We want to know because we don't want to fail that way. And I started to think about that. And I was like, is that really failure or is that just a change? And so I really... I pondered on that for a while because I, I, I think that sometimes and, you know, I, I can only speak from my experiences as an American, you know, if you're not successful, you're a failure. I mean, there's just two ways of it. It, it. Sometimes you don't realize that your failures are your learning experiences. No one wants to admit that because everyone wants to be a success. So I think our mindsets in the United States in particular are, is that, you know, if, if it doesn't go right, you failed. And so my argument is, I don't consider that a failure. There are a million reasons why you want to move to Portugal, and there are a million reasons why you might want to leave. Um, Most people, from what I've been told, who are Americans, um, who move to Portugal actually only live here for a little while and then either move to another country or they move back home. And it could be that they miss their kids or... You know, finances didn't work out the way they thought or there was an illness in the family or their jobs dried up and they needed to go back. You know, they missed the grandkids, um, whatever it was. Or they couldn't deal with bureaucracy in Portugal or the language. There's any number of reasons. My advice to people is, you know, moving to Portugal isn't just a change of address. It's a change of mindset. Mm, And so if you have a good mindset And you know that there's going to be changes. You're not going to be a failure. Even if you decide to return back. I think the people who struggle the most. With staying in Portugal longer term than a year or two. Are the people who perhaps envisioned their life duplicated in another country the same way. So the people who might feel that they can't let go of their lives and their stuff in the United States and move to someplace different and experience that. I think those people are the ones who perhaps might struggle a little bit more. Um, in my own experience, speaking with a lot of subscribers who asked me these questions, I can almost tell you those are the people who are probably not going to stay in the country. Um, and then I think that, but, but, Regardless, regardless of why, it is not failure. I just consider it another learning curve. And most people that you know probably, Janelle, and certainly that I know back back, um, in the United States, my family and my friends would never think of doing this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, They would never think of doing it. And, And we've had so many people say, well, you're so brave. Or we could never do this. Well, you can. You could do it if you put your mind to it if you want to do it. If you don't want to do it, that's okay, too. But think about the people who do it, and even if it doesn't work out, you did it. You did something that a lot of people only envy and only wish they could. So that's kind of the takeaway from that article is it's not a failure. It definitely isn't a failure, and no one should consider um, a change in life a failure. Oh, Carol, thank you. That was great life
0: advice as well as perspective on American culture and also just keeping in mind that everything is a preference. So there's no real failure when you're expressing your preferences around where you want to live and who you want to be. Um, So uh, that's fascinating. And that's part of why I've said this before on other podcasts. I stay away a bit from Facebook groups because I get spun out as well, just o- overwhelmed or listening to everything there, and I, I kind of, I'm like, I gotta just stay focused. On we're clear that we want to move.
1: I, I can't, I can't listen to every single thing. <laughs> no, you'll you will drive yourself crazy. I did that for for quite a while before we, you know, started putting things together to move here, um, and then I did the exact same thing that you did, Janelle. I had to stop because, um, you know, every. For every question you have, there's, you know, 500 different opinions and which one are you going to choose? You know, you have to choose your path and you have to have enough confidence in yourself and in, you know, uh, Paul has confidence in me. I have confidence in him. We have confidence that the choices we make, we, we discuss and we make them and we feel that they're the right thing for us at the right time. And you just have to go with that and... You know, if you have to backpedal, you have to backpedal. Exactly. Exactly. And everyone's on
0: their own particular journey. You can't mimic anyone's journey. You've got to do it your own way.
1: Absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah.
0: So the other thing I want to talk about with you is reverse culture shock. So you've been back to the U.S. a few times since you left. And I'm curious what that was like for you, if you had reverse culture shock or um, how you experienced that.
1: Yeah, so so we've been back twice, actually, um, in the nearly two years we've lived in Portugal. So last December 2022, we spent a couple of weeks um, primarily visiting my family, and most of my family now lives in Florida, um, and I have an elderly father. So um, I try to see him whenever I can. I call him every week and, you know, and my family takes very good care of him. So I don't, I don't feel bad in that respect, but I do like to to spend some time with him. Um, and then this last time was just last month. Um, we just got back a couple of weeks ago from a three and a half week trip that went to uh, the New England area where my husband's family is from and then down to Florida and then to Rhode Island to visit family and friends there and so it was kind of a whirlwind trip we were on planes a lot i think the first time that we went in december was more of the culture shock than the second time um, maybe because we were in florida and the area that where we my family is in is just sprawling and you know there's building going on everywhere there's traffic everywhere there's shopping centers Almost the size of Portugal in every on every corner there it seems, and and there's just there's just so much stuff, and you know everything is big and everything has there's just stuff you know and and the more stuff you have maybe the more you feel that you've been successful I don't know, but I, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way some of it and nothing to do with my family specifically, um, but more of just the mindset. And I think I forgot what that was like mm. because it's it's changed both Paul and I here. I mean, I think we were probably a lot like most people who had successful lives and had, you know, big homes and had, you know, had everything they needed at the you know you go down the street and you go to that CVS you can go to that TJ Maxx you can go to here you can go to there and it's right there on your fingertips and you don't have to think about planning the day um, or finding a place to park because it's it's just wherever you go there they th- there it is it's everything's there so I, I I really thought about the excess and how we didn't really need that so much now and I I I was a little surprised that we, we really don't need all that, do we? And so that surprised me. The um, The prices of things surprised me. I knew it was expensive, but it's really expensive. <laughs> 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 and, and we spent more money, I think, on groceries if we were eating in food and wine if we were dining out they we spent on the whole plane fare I mean it was just it was just like it was it was crazy um the prices of things uh no matter where we were whether we were in New Hampshire or we were in Florida or wherever we were it was expensive um and so we knew it going in but then we you know you felt it in your pocketbook. you really did feel that um I think the interesting thing, just going back, someone asked me, I met one of our subscribers, actually, who I'd never met, who happens to live in Rhode Island, and we happened to have some spare time, and we were in the area, so we actually met them for coffee. And one of, the, one of the people asked me, you know, how do you feel when you come back, or what do you think when you come back, and, you know, do you miss anything? And I said, you know, when we come back, to home, what used to be home. It feels familiar, but it doesn't feel like home anymore. And, and that's really the mm-hmm. only way I can describe how we felt when we were in the United States. It felt good to see people. It felt nice to go to some of the familiar places, but it didn't feel like home. And I think something that Paul said to me that kind of struck me, I actually wrote it down. He doesn't know this, but I wrote it down um, because I think it would be an interesting topic at one point in time. He says, sometimes these trips open your eyes. And I thought, you know, that's exactly the answer right there. Sometimes we just open your eyes. And for us, it was pleasant, but I don't have to rush back. I don't miss living there and i know that's hard for some of my family and friends to hear but i don't really miss that it feels familiar it feels nice but it isn't my home yeah yeah
0: i think that's so interesting because for a long time i've wondered what makes home home mm-hmm. for people mm-hmm. especially in this in this whole journey mm-hmm. and that feeling of home it's hard to describe. <clears throat> and it's, it's, I think for me, it comes down to, you know, my immediate core family, which is Doug and my dog and my cat. Mm-hmm. And, um, so the, they are a home base for me. Of course. And, but it's lovely to hear that you've created that sense of home so much in Portugal that when you go back to the U S it feels familiar, but not this sense of longing or homesickness yeah. Yeah. That, that people could have, yeah. If you didn't create
1: that, yeah. And and like I said before, it's everyone is different, and my experiences may not be someone else's experiences. But um, but people ask me what, how we feel. What are your experiences? This is what most of my readers want to know what are your personal experiences and, you know, don't sugarcoat it. So I'm not sugarcoating it. Um, this is how it is for us. Um, you know, even in parts of the country that we visited, you know, there were political differences. There were, you know, differences in, you know, how the economy was. And we had some of those discussions. I actually didn't participate in those, but I listened and I just thought, you know, it, and I did see, frankly, a lot of um, impatience and anger um, in people, and that made me sad. Um, and I, it just isn't some place that I need to be right now.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I understand that, and I love the way that you put that—not in a judgmental no. way, but in an, uh, an observational yes. way. Mm-hmm. And here's exactly. what I'm observing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, And here's what I'm choosing. So very proactive. I'm choosing to be in in this place and I'm choosing to be in the U.S. when I'm in the U.S. for certain reasons. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And we'll still go back. We will still go back and we will still visit. I hope that um, some of our family comes to visit us and to see and experience what we're experiencing, even if it's just for a few days. I hope that they do that. I think they will. Um, But we will still go back when we can um, and spend time with the people that we care about because that hasn't changed.
0: So that, that leads me to one other extra question here. And I've just got a couple more before we wrap up, but my extra question is people have said to me, Oh, we want to come and visit
1: you when you move there. Did did people say that to you? And then did they actually come or they haven't shown up yet? No, they haven't shown up yet. And, and, but you know, this wasn't a surprise for us because when we, when we left Rhode Island in 2003 and moved to Arizona, we had more people tell us, we're going to be your first visitors. Well, we're still waiting for them to show up. They just never did. And, and uh, we did have some friends and family who did come the first couple of years, I think out of curiosity, wanted to see what we were doing and why we were happy there. Um, and then it kind of leveled off. And if we didn't go back, no one came to see us. So our expectations for visitors to Portugal um, probably have been tempered because of that. I do believe people have started to mention that they'd like to come visit, but we'll see. I mean, first of all, you do have to have a passport and a lot of them don't. Or a lot of them let them expire. And now it's taking a little bit of time to get a passport. So if you're planning on coming in six or eight or ten months from now, you should start that process now. Um, I do have a relative who is coming my my sister is actually coming next week, I think it is, but she's not coming to really see me. She's coming to go to uh her husband's family's wedding There's a wedding in the Algarve, but she's going to stop and she's going to spend some time with me and Paul and her husband and that'll be nice and that'll be interesting to see how that turns out um She hasn't been to Portugal in almost thirty eight years. So I think she'll see that it's changed a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see what she she thinks and what she thinks of of where we are. It's not going to change my mind, but it'll be an interesting experience.
0: Yeah, it will be, I'm sure. I can't wait to, maybe you'll write about that. Well, before we wrap up, I've got two last questions. One is, um, any recommendations or resources that you'd like to share? Books or blogs or anything else that would be helpful
1: well i'm always I, i'm asked a lot of times um people can get in touch with me through my blog um i i pretty much leave all my contact information there's different ways to get in touch with me you can email me you can whatsapp me as long as you don't spam me then i won't be happy um you know there's this or you, or through the contact part of the blog you can you'll leave a comment. So I usually get a lot of people asking me for specific types of referrals or resources. If I have them, I'm happy to provide them. Um, If I don't have them, I can sometimes maybe point them in the right direction. Um, A couple of uh, blogs that I do like um, that you may be familiar with, um, I hope you are. If not, you should check them out, is Expat in Portugal. Mm -hmm. And that's written by Nancy Whiteman. Um, She also happens to be a friend uh, and one of the first people we met in Cuscais when she and her wife Denise lived in Cuscais. They now live in the Algarve and they're renovating an old building that is going to be their beautiful home. And uh, she writes uh, in a different way than I do. But uh, if people are looking for insights into living in Portugal, besides what your experience is or my experience is, that's a great one to read. So I would suggest that. Uh, another one is is. I thought it was kind of a funny name until I started reading about it. Off Grid and Ignorant in Portugal is by Alastair Leithhead. And, yes. <laughs> and he writes about, um, his journey living off the grid in the Alentejo with his wife. And he's also developing a vineyard and he's going to make wine. And, um, I've been in touch with him actually, because I want to do an, uh, an Alentejo visit to, I want to visit wine country in the Alentejo. So, um, we, we have a date to connect when we go down there so that, um, so that I can see what he's doing and maybe we can, um, we can uh, co-author a couple of blogs or something like that. So it might be kind of fun. But, you know, I am always looking for new recommendations, resources. I try to promote as many of them as I can on my blog. So on the blog homepage, I list some recommendations from other writers and um, I add to the list whenever I find something. Um, And that's the beauty of Substack. People share, writers share um, their their knowledge, their experiences, and other writers. Um, So that's been a a really um, positive thing for for me, and I think I hope for other writers um, to have that. So I I do my best um, to provide those resources either in a post that I'm writing or on my recommendations page.
0: Oh, excellent. And let's just make sure that listeners know how to get to your Substack and um, how to read you and all of that.
1: So where where can they go online to find you? They can go on our portugaljourney.com. Um, that takes you to the Substack page. Um, I think the way Substack has it, sometimes you have to um, click that you don't want to subscribe so you can read it first before you subscribe. I'm not exactly sure how that works, but um I'm on social media I'm on Instagram I am on Facebook um people find me usually word of mouth to be honest with you I don't do a lot of advertising the best way probably would be portugaljourney.com go on or go on to Substack and look under you know the topic of travel cuz I think that's one of the topics I'm under or Portugal and you should find me there Everyone go find her
0: it's uh it's a fun I love Substack. It's, it's been so fun to write there and to to do this podcast there and to meet people. It's such a lovely community. And it's been kind of a breath of fresh air from regular social media, even though that has its place.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it has its place. But yes, I I do enjoy Substack as well. And I think it's a great platform for uh, all different kinds of writing. And that's what I like about it. So. Excellent.
0: Well, Thank you so much, Carol, for your time and your wisdom and all your recommendations and your writing. Um, stick around i'm gonna end the podcast and uh, just uh, thank listeners listeners if you want more um, you can come to my Substack as well it's janelleholden.substack.com from montana to portugal i'll be glad to and feel free to leave a comment on this um, i'll tag carol in case she wants to see any of the comments that come through as well so stick around carol and i'm going to just um, end wrap up and thanks thanks everybody